Hello and welcome to No Pun Included, a podcast about board games, someone's favorite podcast about board games. It might not be your favorite podcast about board games, but it's too late now. You already started listening and you can't leave. You know, it's not even my mum's favorite board game podcast. What's your mum's favorite board game podcast? I don't know. I don't think my mum listens to board game podcasts or podcasts. She can't have a favorite board game podcast then. If she did, we might be it. Because or we probably wouldn't be, actually. Because we're the be- best podcast? No, because I'm her daughter. And right. it's a- her- an obligation. Oh, that's disappointing. Anyway, welcome back, everyone. This is episode 17, and we have been gone for a little while for Christmas break. And uh, we have some changes to the podcast format to announce. So last year, we did a major overhaul uh, redone the podcast and decided that we're going to have all these segments and and we're going to have a feature review. Uh, <laughs> we never lent quite the name of the one and done whatever, whatever uh, segment, though. Yeah, that was that was a cool segment that never had a name. And I thought that was funny, you know, but was it? Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> but what it turned out to be is a lot of time, like really quite a lot of time. And uh, if you're not familiar with No Pun Included, uh, then you should know that our main thing that we do is not this podcast. It's our YouTube channel where we review board games. Fancy this being the first thing someone's ever heard of I No know, Pun Included. I know. It's a bit disappointing. But look, listen, if you've never <laughs> heard of us... We haven't even done it yet. It might be the best thing that you've ever heard. Right. If, if you've never heard of us, go search No Pun Included on YouTube. You will find an amazing board game review channel. And then channel. they can attach faces to these voices. Well, wouldn't that they be They might be confused as to which one is which but that's fine. I'm sure they'll figure it out. Um, But yeah, so we decided to basically revert back to our old format because it was slightly more sustainable and and it puts slightly less pressure on us, but still allows us to talk uh, a lot about games we played and games we enjoyed. Uh, So basically the idea of an open included podcast from now on, this is a first impressions podcast about games that we played and we might or might not review on our main channel. It's not a review. It's not a review. And with that, let's not a review free games. What games wait, are good? Wait, we need to talk about NPI News, Efka. Oh, NPI News? There's yes. NPI News? What There's are NPI the NPI news? news? Well, first of all, Patreon. We want to say thank you to everybody who is supporting us on Patreon and particularly supported us on Patreon through the last year. Yeah, the last year has obviously been difficult for everyone. It's been difficult for us. It's been made a lot less difficult by our Patreon supporters. Mm. Uh, every time I think about the last year, all I can think of is it could have been much worse. So mm. thank you, everyone who's been supporting us. Uh, we appreciate it very, very much. Uh, if you want to join our Patreon, you'll find some nice, lovely little perks, uh, like a monthly newsletter video and uh, maybe even an invite to our Discord server where there's, we're fostering a nice, lovely community. That's been great. I've been very much enjoying that. What other No Pun Included news are there? Well, Efka, we did a video. Did we? Yes, of our Game of the Year. Oh, well, here's the thing. So if someone wanted to watch a Game of the Year video, they're in for a surprise because they'll get 150% of the Game of the Year. 150%? Yeah, because we award one game 50% oh, of Game of the Year, and then the other game 100% oh, that's of the Game of the Year. That's not maths. I, well, it's no pun included maths, and that's just oh, as no. good as real maths. <laughs> that's why I'm terrible at games, because I just can't do maths. I do no pun included maths instead. Is there any more news, or is, are we newsed out? 
We are news now. Okay, fantastic. Let's talk about today's games. Uh, I almost made a jingle there. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> it was like a robot doing a jingle. Okay, thank you for that. Uh, I guess I'll never jingle again. And <laughs> not in public anyway. <laughs> I'll continue jingleless. Today we're talking about free games. Those games are Halletau by Uwe Rosenberg, Niederbelieb by Serge Lage, and Beyond the Sun by Dennis K. Chan. Smooth. Which game are we going to talk about first, Lefka? I, I really want to talk about Halletau because okay. it, I, I'm so perplexed Is it by because this. Because of the lady on the box? No, absolutely With not. With a jug of. No. Milk, I assume. Well, you know what? Strangely, it's one of the uh, few Uber Rosenberg games published by Lookout Spiel mm. uh, that does not feature uh, Clemens Franz artwork on the cover. But it looks like Clemens Franz artwork. It looks like, no, I see, I can tell it apart. It's it's different. It's not got the signature Clemens sure. Franz sure. style, right? And I've been very excited about Halletau because yeah, you were. it's Uwe Rosenbox. Is it because it's expert level? I almost said Uwe Rosenboxes. Uh, <laughs> Uwe, it's. Is this like where um, Benedict Cumberbatch can't say penguins? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe it is. have a block on Uwe Rosenberg. Uwe, Uwe Rosenboxes, expert level, Berg. No, so yeah, it's, it, is, it is kind of because of the expert level tag on the box. Uh, because this is his biggest box since A Feast for Odin, mm. which came out, I don't want to lie, I want to say five years ago, maybe four years ago, mm -hmm. four, I think four years ago. Sure. So there's, there's I'll been you on that. a big gap between Uwe Rosenberg's big games boxes. Yes. Yeah. and I, Uwe boxes, big game. I, I don't know. I've, okay, we, I've spent a year in lockdown, right? I was ready. Have you? Funny. I was ready to sit down with some farm, you mm -hmm, know, mm -hmm. and, and pretend farms, you're outside. Yeah, pretend I'm outside. Just just do some farming chores. What is a sheep? You know, I barely remember uh, anymore. You make fun, but it's aspirational. It's like achieving something, you know, sure. without actually having to achieve anything because you're <laughs> playing with cardboard tiles on the table and wooden pieces. So I, I don't know. There was a, I felt like this immediate connect and appeal. And it's about a German region I've never even heard of mm -hmm. called mm -hmm. Halletau, mm -hmm. as, as, as the name. Apparently, it's famous for beer. Oh. Uh, but There's no beer in it, though. Well, there oh, is. Because you grow hops, yes, barley. Yes, yeah, yeah, you're right. Right? It's, yeah. it's all about beer. You just don't... You just don't ha get the, the beer, right? Of beer. You get to make the components of yeah. beer, but you never get to drink the beer, no. right? Because it's it's a game that doesn't want to reward you. Wow, uh, <laughs> is that your your first impression? No, I'm being coy. That's that's not my first impression. My first impression is is kind of strange. So the way Halatau works is that like many Uwe Rosenberg, like many Uwe Rosenboxes, big <laughs> big bugs. It conjoins together many different systems that all relate to one ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And then out of that, you get a sort of a simulation. Mm -hmm. So in this case, you're doing a couple of things. You're yeah. farming yeah. and the things that you're farming are pretty much either sheep or all kinds of... Or other. Or, or, or all, all kinds of produce, yes. right? So Grains. Grains and stuff. And, and there's different systems to how these things work and how you get these things. Mm -hmm. So when you get grains, you get to plant them. Mm -hmm. And 
this is really in a field. In a field, but in the, a little field that you put on your board. But but get this right. There's a crop rotation system. There is, and just like in real life, like that's the thing, right? Right. Yeah. And and I. But that's that's the selling point of the game, though. That you right. know, that's how mundane it is. And I think there's excitement in the mundanity. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's cool. Like, you have these different fields, and then when you plant on these fields, you'll get, uh, depending on which level the field is on, so there's there's a tier system. Like, so there's a level two, three, four, five. five yeah. And let's say you plant something on level four. That means that when you harvest it, you planted some flax, you'll get four flax. Yes. But then that field goes down a level and becomes level three for next yes. round. So the field is less good because yes. the nutrients are being taken out, right? Yes, exactly. Like, like in farming is, is what I'm comparing yeah. it to. Yeah. However, if you don't plant something on a field, yes. then it will get to go up and you go, okay, well, that sounds easy. I just plant some things, not plant other things, right? And it'll be fine. I'll make these you know fields go up and go down. But the tricky thing about Halatau is that it immediately puts a lot of pressure on you throughout the entire six rounds of the game mm -hmm. to produce as many resources as humanly possible, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so what you want to frequently do is just plant all of these fields, all of the time. Just plant, plant, plant. And then, of course, if you keep doing that, you'll keep getting diminishing returns because yeah. your fields will be fallow. I've used the word. You did. But uh, on the other hand, there are, I think, eight different columns where you can put fields, right? Yes. So you could have a level five field of flax and a level three field of flax. There's nothing stopping you doing that. No, that's true. Uh, but also you uh, you don't get that many fields to begin with. You get space no, for more fields. No, but you fields. can collect more fields. You can collect more things and you can, you can get all kinds of things. You can get sheep. And you're like, great. You can't the, plant the sheep, though. No, you can't no. plant the sheep, but you can milk the sheep. You can shear slaughter the, the sheep, sheep, right? Oh, you can okay. slaughter the sheep. You can do all kinds of things. But then you get the sheep and you're like, oh, great, I have a sheep. No, you don't. It's going to die. Well, uh, not necessarily. You need to protect it, yes. right? So there's all kinds of little upkeeps that are happening in this game. And to achieve anything, it's actually pretty simple. There's, there's yeah. a board with action spaces. Whenever you want to do a thing, and there's you put not, down cubes. Yeah, yeah, you put down cubes and you do the thing. But much like the field rotation mm -hmm. system, there's also a system in terms of workers that you don't have. Your workers don't come back to you. You sure, just spend yeah. them, and you get a number every round, depending on how much you've sold and things yeah. like that. How much produce you've made. But then again, there's a puzzle there because only certain number of workers come out from those spaces. And the more workers there are in those spaces, the more expensive in terms of workers is yes. to go so, there. So to explain that a little bit more, like mm. the first spot might be what you just need one cube for it. But mm. then the next spot will be two cubes and it will be the same action. But the first spot, the cheapest spot will be have been taken. Yeah, I, I'm starting to realize we've been talking about Halatau systems, you know, in this sort of circular fashion uh, for quite a while now. But I think mm. what our audience would like to hear is... How do these systems feel? How do they integrate? How do they gel? Do they feel good? Do they feel bad? How do you feel, Elaine? I think we have to give people a context of what you do in this game mm -hmm. what, to, to, to illustrate what this game feels like, like uh, mechanically what you do and then how it feels to do those things. No, right? I know. But we've also given about like 30% of an impression of what you actually do in this game because there's 
cards sure, that you get yeah, yeah. and income from cards and there's a community center there's boulders there's different buildings you move those buildings and as someone who grew up on a trading estate i don't know what it's like to do farming the closest i've come is farming simulator mm-hmm. and watching a guy um a farmer guy with his sheep uh driving up and down um when we Why were on we holiday w- once oh right okay <laughs> i think everything that you do in this game does gel together to answer your question i think mm. i think the sheep board uh which is a separate little board where where you have sheep uh and then your kind of crop board i think they work quite nicely in tandem because you're balancing you, so there are three different things really you've got the sheep you've got the grains and then you've got um you know meat milk a wool stuff like that right so you've got three different kind of types of resources and i think those all work together because you're balancing how much you want to get out of each thing because like if you want to make lots of sheep then great but then you won't get any meat or milk Mm -hmm. right but if you want if you immediately which is what i did slaughter every sheep that you get for the meat uh, then you won't have any sheep and one of the things that i noticed in this game when we played it the first time i thought I'm going to kind of ignore the sheep because mm. like this, this seems to be a pick your strategy kind of game, right? Well, and that's like, what you used with Uwe Rosenberg, right? right? Yes, yeah. exactly, right? Yeah. Um, and, and you know, in games like this, there's always an element of you have to do a little bit of everything, but you can pick a main kind of idea of what you want to do. So I thought I'm going to pretty much ignore the sheep entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, so every sheep I get, I will slaughter for milk and meat and wool or whatever. Um, and that didn't work at all uh, because turns she... out murder doesn't pay. Well, <laughs> who knew? Uh, because uh, sheep are kind of integral to some of the cards that you get in this game, uh, and not just the cards. So one of the things that I haven't explained yet is is the community center system, and this is really where community the community center. Yeah, the, the big build. You know, the big building on your player board that you slide around. That's the community center. <laughs> is it really? Yeah, it is really that what it's is. called? It is what it's called. Yeah. I went to a community center once. They normally had like toy fairs in them, though. Um, I, there's there's no toys in this. No. This is serious farming, Elaine. Uh-huh. Um, so the community center system is basically this big building that sits on your player board, right? Mm. And for whatever reason, you want to move it all the way to the right, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because when you move the community center to the right, it... It, it, it unlocks points. It unlocks points and it unlocks extra workers, workers yeah. right? So there's an incentive to move it at the start of the game because you want more workers. And there's this, an incentive to move it at the end of the game because you want more points, right? Mm-hmm. And there is always this sort of pervasive sense of... Like, I need to move this community center. No matter what, this turn, I have to nudge it at least a little bit because mm-hmm. there's so many points at the end of it. And and it's funny, like, you, you can even, like, as soon as you lift the community center from the board, you see, oh, my God, that's just, like, 90 points. I really need to get there somehow, <laughs> right? Uh, but to move it, you have to spend resources. Yes. And to sp- uh, you spend resources to move these other little buildings that act as blockers towards the yes. community center. And then there's also boulders that block the little buildings, yes. right? So you need to move the boulders to move the buildings to move the building. Uh, yes. Yes. Sure. And to move the buildings that are blocked by the boulder to move the building, you need different kinds of resources. Yes always different kinds of resources and there's this big mathematical puzzle because you can't just spend resources willy-nilly there's like little formulas that say you need to spend more of this and every round the cost is progressively increasing and you always feel this sort of like tight sense of tension and almost like 
it's almost anxiety inducing. It is in fact the opposite of what I expected Halatau to be. I expected it to be like, you know Breezy. Breezy, like Verna, <laughs> Feast for Odin. I'm gonna sit down and just do some, you know, farming, right? Uh-huh. No, right? There's quotas to be made. Yeah. And and you need to do it now. Yeah. And and the quotas are gonna be higher next year. So you better I up feel, your production. I feel like you are a farmer in this game who has bitten off more than they can chew you've gone well you know i really like sheep i think i'll start with some sheep farming and then you've gone well actually but flax is really good i'm gonna do flax as well oh and then i'm gonna do wool and then i'm gonna do milk and then i'm gonna do meat and then i'm gonna do wheat and then i'm gonna do like all these other things you're farming too many things at once and you have to balance them somehow well that's because of the cards right so there's this whole card system where there's four decks of different decks of cards Mm -hmm. all the cards work in the same way Mm -hmm. right but there's there's a progression to these decks so like the cards that you get you can't immediately just go oh i'll play the card and i'll get the thing mm. you always have prerequisites and the prerequisites are easier in the easier decks but yes. also the rewards are much smaller right there are there are several different decks yeah with um easier and more difficult prerequisites yeah and there's some thematic difference in terms of like the hardest deck is always the hardest prerequisite but it's a big reward in points sure. right whereas the easiest deck is an easy prerequisite but also there is a very small reward in resources mm-hmm. rather than points mm-hmm. uh, whereas in the middle you can find things like income whereas mm-hmm. if you complete this you will get this thing every single round so, yeah, again, so you want to do it early. i want to do it but in a uh, typical uve rosenberg style there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of yes. these cards, and some of them are minor variations on, of others. And in games that you play, you won't even have the same decks of cards because there's two de- two out of the four decks have also got four different types of decks for each of them. <laughs> um, if you think that sounds too much, uh, let me tell you my verdict on that is that it is. And in fact, I've been very puzzled because a lot of reviewers expressed that the one point of love for Halatau yes. is the amount of different cards and how they all incentivize you to like do different things and find different strategies. And actually, we we didn't just play Halatau once, we no, played it sure, a couple yeah, of times. Yeah. In the couple of times that I played this game, I always found that, yes, there are different decks and they are technically different, but the feeling of all of them is very similar. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, there's nothing that particularly distinguishes it but because there's so many cards there's just this wild cacophony of mechanical elements noise you know Mm -hmm. like oh go do this get that Mm -hmm. go have this thing and sometimes that might mesh with your strategy and sometimes it entirely won't and sometimes you'll play a game where none of the cards hold together and i'm not so much criticizing that Mm -hmm. i'm more criticizing just the sheer volume of it and how unfocused and yeah, all can, over the place it, can it feels. feel a little messy. I think quite often when you get cards in games, it gives you some kind of direction to mm-hmm. go in. And in Halatau, I didn't feel like that as much as, oh, well, I've stuffed myself. I can't possibly ever get that thing because mm-hmm. I'm never going to be able to get those prerequisites. Or I do try and get those prerequisites and stuff myself like for something else in the game, right? I I agree with you. I know what you mean. Uh, But yeah, so I guess to give a big picture sort of idea again of the game is that it's a game with, I don't know, 15 different resources and, you know, uh, multiple systems juggling together. You're farming. If you want a big farming thing and you've played an Uwe Rosenberg game and you think, okay, I sort of know to expect what to expect. 
That's what you're going to get. It's not as punishing as some of his games, but it's also not as free as, as, sure. as some of his other games. But, but there are some things that I do want to touch on in terms of points of critique. Mm -hmm. The community system that I just described, where you move the boulders and, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. frequently, I, I imagine there are, there are strategies where you can just, I'm going to get points from cards and, you know, I'm going to try and fulfill sure. all the cards and stuff like that. But frequently you get rewarded for moving that community center, right? Yes. And once yes, because you want the, those extra workers. You want those extra right? workers, but then if you move it you get more, you'll get end. like a lot of points, right? Yeah. So there seems to be one system that rewards you for doing well and getting a lot of points. Yes. And it seems to be the focus of the game. Yes. But there is a finality to it because there is a point where you move the community center to the end. Mm. And you go, well, I've reached the end. And it's it's hard to get it to the mm. end. I didn't manage to do that on my first game. I managed to do that on my second game. And then I was like, oh, okay. I got it to the end. What do I do now? Yeah. Is that, is that what you mean? Like yeah, that that's sort of, of what of... I mean. But I don't mean like, what do I do now in this game? Because I did have a whole, I moved it like. Oh, I, I see. I moved it to the end by the end of the fifth round. I had one more round of not moving it at all. And I was actually pretty happy about that. I thought that was a fantastic result i could focus mm -hmm. on finishing up some cards and sure. getting yeah, some yeah. extra points from everywhere else and and yeah that sort of felt like a flat ending a little bit but i'm more talking about like multiple plays sure. as as a sort of like well i achieved the thing in this game i filled this thing up what's my sort of incentive to play more yeah sure and i guess that goes back a little bit to my point about the the sheep my uh, anecdote about the sheep that that I'm not sure that there are multiple ways to play this game. There mm -hmm. is a the way where you get to move your community center, and then there's the way that you do badly, right. which is what I did in the second game, actually, that we played, or the third game that we mm. played. I, I had a bad start. I don't know why. I just made some misplays, mm. I guess. Um, and so I didn't move my community center because I didn't have the resources that I needed and I fell further and further behind very very quickly incredibly quickly mm -hmm. and I think that can be quite frustrating I, I think so this game punishes you for not doing well from the get-go yeah. it, it says no okay do this precisely now or you'll fall back immediately and for the rest of the game you'll watch other players do better yes. right there's and you will be sad and you will be sad there's definitely that in this game but but more so I think I think there might be other strategies. I I think there might be things to explore in this game. Maybe cards. Yeah, maybe cards. I think cards could be the big puzzle. And there's whilst you have to do a little bit of everything, there are resources that you're going to focus on a little bit more. So one player might do a lot sure. of sheep, or sure. one player might do a lot of like hops or whatever. Right. <laughs> I think there's a differential in strategies. Yeah. Right. But yeah, maybe. But the end point is always the same end point. And you sort of get to that end point and then you go sort of like, well, now what, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and I don't want to criticize it too much because I think Halatau is a fine game. I think it's a solid game. What yeah. I did really like about it, which we haven't, which I think you mentioned very briefly, was how the resources become more costly. Mm -hmm. So So in order to move your community center... Uh, as you said, you know, you have to sell each type of good, really, that, that yeah. you produce. Um, but it gets more and more costly. But there are kind of discounts that you can get if you sell two of the same resource. And yeah, yeah, it, like, it, it becomes more and more complicated. Yeah. But but the complexity is interesting because 
hey, this costs way more than it did before. Yes. But if I plan this well, yes. I'll be able to get this discount and yes. finagle something. So you're always given options how to find an out, which is nice. Mm. Uh, and I found that not nice. That was I found clever. the worker placement system clever. Uh, where the basically what happens is the, the areas that are contested in the game and all the players want to go to become progressively more expensive. And that all feels, blocked off entirely. All blocked off entirely. <laughs> and that feels organic because it wasn't devised by the system. It wasn't the system saying, oh, mm. this is good, so this is more costly. It's devised by the players themselves, mm -hmm, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's very, very smart, you know? Mm. Uh, and it feels it feels like there were a lot of good design decisions and good design elements and mm -hmm. and it feels like a very well-developed game i'm just not sure i was particularly excited by everything that i got does that make sense yeah i think you're right like i said i think it was a solid game it was a nice game but it's far too complicated to play with people who haven't played many games so i'm not quite sure what its audience is maybe people that have played lots of games that want to go back to the more simple days of farming? I don't know. Yeah, no. I The amount of times my brain was completely fried. Oh, yeah. This game. Oh, for yeah. sure. And and here's the other thing, right? Um, some, a lot of people are commenting on how it's pretty great as a solo game. I kind of wish I just played this solo. I haven't Be played it solo. Yeah, no. well, I haven't. But, I mean, it's the same rules, right? Oh. It's just, it's literally the same rules. Yeah. See okay. how far you get, right? And more spaces are organically blocked off, right? By the solo bot sure, system yeah, yeah. that you use in the two or three player games anyway. So, yeah. I, I, I feel of, like it would, it would be like doing a Sudoku puzzle or something. It on your would own, like be. Quite a, a chilled out kind of fill in the blanks. Right, because puzzle. you spend so much time just looking at your board and looking at the resources and counting everything mm. and going, how much do I need for this, 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 mm. this. That, that, that. And a lot of the time we spent playing this game, we just, we're doing that. We weren't talking to no. each other. We were like, we just sat down for like 10 minutes and went, okay, let's figure everything out. And then once that was done, back to the game, we're actually putting pieces down. Yeah. Uh, and oh, and there's actually one more point of critique I wanted to bring up. Mm. Whilst I enjoyed the crop rotation system, mm. the storage system that's integrated oh, into the crop. it's too small. It's way too small. You <laughs> have to put so many small. resources on these tiny tiny spaces <laughs> it's incredibly infuriating and fiddly and uncomfortable and i hate it and they uh, fall down and you go where was that how yeah. much crop did i have oh no that was oh that however was so on the other hand the meeples are adorable the wool meeple particularly it's not really a meeple i don't know wooden shit is adorable mm -hmm. and they tessellate pretty nicely so you can pretend they're cogs if you're having a stressful day you can just spin them around in your hands it's something I've I've never appreciated about this game, but but you, you were doing it. That's where I got you had them in your pocket, and I was like, "What's that noise?" You're like, "I'm spinning the woolly things that just happened to be in my pocket." Now, now the viewers know that I'm <laughs> carrying resources around in my pocket, like a, like a magician keeping a card up his sleeve. I call them viewers, they're listeners, but yeah, no, <laughs> maybe I, they're I, watching. There was a day when I accidentally put my hand into the pocket and I discovered no, some wait, no, you some didn't. some wool from Hallatow in my pocket. Okay, Nobody it was like pocket lint, but it was wooden. <laughs> I don't know how it got there, but it was there, and let's not dwell on it. Uh -huh. Let's talk about your favorite genre of board games, <laughs> blind bidding. Ooh. And fantasy dwarves. 
Ooh. Um, I don't like blind bidding, no, no at all. Um, and, and for anyone that doesn't know this by now, the reason that I don't like bidding and, and auctioning games is because I never know how much to bid. So, can, I, can you describe blind bidding then for our listeners? Yeah. So when when you do bidding, blind bidding, you have potentially certain amounts of coin money whatever that you have to bid yeah right um and you have to do that without anybody else knowing what you have bid for the thing so so say you're bidding for uh resources of some kind say you're bidding for milk i don't know i'm making it up say you're bidding for milk milk's not in this game is it oat milk it could be yeah say you're bidding for oat milk i'm more excited i'm gonna <laughs> bid more good <laughs> say you're bidding for oat milk and you will have a certain amount of money um or coin in front of you and you will bid a certain amount, but you won't show anybody. It will be behind a screen or it will be on your Neither hand. Neither will anyone tell you, right? Nobody will tell you what they're bidding as well. And then at some point, you will all reveal how much you've bid. And then the person who's bid normally the most will get the oat milk. That sounds like excitement. That sounds yes. like mystery, suspense. Yes. Like, why do you hate mystery and suspense? Yes, <laughs> because <laughs> in... Quite a lot of games, when you do blind bidding or, or auctioning, it, when you do auctioning, uh, the the bids come back round again quite often. So you will mm -hmm. reveal how much you've you've bid, and then you can bid more or, or not, as the case may be. But quite often in these games, it doesn't give you an idea of how much something is worth, or or I don't grok how much something is worth. I think probably other players do, and I don't. So um, you know, I, I could bid five pounds dollars whatever for milk for milk that's far too much and for milk. someone else will bid 30 pence and yeah. and i'll be like oh and then all the other players will bid something like 30 pence you know 28 pence 30 pence 32 pence and i'll have bid five pounds uh -huh. and and then i'll be like oh did i really want this thing i don't know i just don't know or i'll do the opposite and bid 30 pence because i'll be like oh i don't think this is worth that much and then all the other players will be like, £10, £5, £8. And I'll just be like, I, I just don't know what I'm doing. And, and quite often... They make you feel like an odd duck, right? A little bit, yeah. yeah. And, and quite often uh, in when you do blind bidding in games, there's a kind of engine building element to it. Like you <laughs> get something and then you get more money and then you bid more money and then you get more money and then and I end up being more and more behind throughout the game because I've bid the wrong amounts and not got the things that I needed. Yeah so before we tell our listeners whether you've hated or loved Nidavellir, uh -huh. uh, let's explore some other elements of this game. So yes. this isn't just a bidding game, this no. is a bidding game where you bid for a fantasy dwarf army. Yes. Because there's, <laughs> there's a dragon yes, and someone is. needs to go kill it. And you want to oh, be Oh, is the, that what it is? Yeah. You want to be the person oh, okay. that goes, kills the dragon. Uh, and and for that, you need the best dwarf army. Sure. So one by one, you're going to pubs, literally. Yeah, right? you're going to pubs. And going, do you want to come work for me? Uh, work for me because I'll offer you more money. And then you buy that dwarf and that dwarf joins your army. So two points to that then. Firstly, yeah. maybe the theme doesn't come through quite well, well enough. I, th because I think people can tell I, because you I, literally went, is that <laughs> what it is? <laughs> I didn't know we were going to fight a dragon. Yeah. Um, one of the pubs is a dragon, has a dragon symbol, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but the other thing is that there is a set collection element to it. Yes, um, so the, the, those dwarves become a set. Yes, uh, the dwarves have suits. 
uh, as it were, and different colours uh, around their borders. And you kind of want to collect a certain amount of each dwarf or yeah. a certain type of dwarf. So, yeah. for example, there's blacksmith dwarfs. And that's one of the simplest sets. Yes. Because if you get one blacksmith dwarf, your blacksmiths in total are worth a point, right? Yes. If you get two, your blacksmiths in total are worth three, three points. Three points, yeah. I, and then if you get three, your blacksmiths are worth... Like, Six or seven, I don't know. Yeah, right? it a goes number, up and up right. and up. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, and each each different type of uh, dwarf suit has a different reward, I guess. Yeah, they do. They, they work in different, different ways. different calculation yeah. of how you yeah. get points So, orange dwarves, I can't remember what the theme is, no. but, like, they will, they will multiply each other, yes. right? I, don't ask me how that works. I think there's uh, some theme in it. Like, they've thought about why they multiply each other. Yeah, I can't remember why. Well, there's some. So, for example, there's explorer dwarves, which provide just a flat rate value, yeah. right? But there's a bonus you later get if you have more explorers, which is where you get like an extra card. So it's like they went ahead and scouted, yeah, and got. There like, is something a to card. it. Yeah, there is a little bit of theming, but largely. It feels like a very mechanical game. Mm. But for me, it felt like an exciting mechanical game, right? Mm. Uh, so part one uh, of Nidavellir is bidding. Part two is set collection. Yes. Neither of those elements are particularly complex. No. And I think they're pretty welcome for folks who are... I'm not going to say necessarily new to gaming because uh, Nidavellir can be a bit mathy. Mm. Uh, but but they're not unwelcoming because it's like, okay, bidding. I know how that works. I've seen Antiques Roadshow and said <laughs> collection. No, wait, wait, no. People don't <laughs> bid in the Antiques Roadshow. Do, doesn't matter. Uh, uh, so did I, oh, I meant Bargain Hunt, didn't Bargain Hunt. Yeah, there we <laughs> okay, go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got Bargain Hunt, right? That's, everyone knows what that is uh-huh. in England. Uh-huh. Uh, and then you also have set collection, which is, which, again. Can you compare that to a TV show? No, I can compare it to collecting TV shows. It's like having a DVD collection. I see. You want some comedies. I see. You want some romance. I see. You and want the, some sci-fi. The more right? comedies you have, the better. No, it's it's about having the, the the perfect spread, right? But what that perfect spread is is up to you. I think that's more confusing than just saying it's set collection. Right. Okay. <laughs> Honestly. Okay. And then bargain hunt. What? I didn't hate the. Uh, bidding in this because it's quite simplified and i know you said that there is a lot of maths in this game and there is right yeah but nothing is hidden and and that was something that i appreciated about it so uh first of all you start with well, the bidding amounts are hidden with ha 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 the maths isn't hidden right okay. is what i mean right <laughs> so when you start the when you do a bid uh, you each have five coins, yes. right? And and you bid certain amounts. Of you, different values. Of different values. Yeah. But you all start with the same values of coins and then you can progressively increase those amounts um, during the game. But you start with the same amount. You, and, and those amounts aren't like, you know, one and a hundred. They're like two, three, four and five. So there's never a huge differential between the lowest and the highest. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you generally get something uh, because because in in the game there are three different pubs that you go to 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 recruit your dwarves uh, and the amounts that you bid are just really determining the order that you're going to be taking or recruiting those dwarves. So, but you're going to get a dwarf but you're no matter get what. Someone, you might right? get g- like last pickings. Yeah. But, but you're going to get yeah. someone. And the other thing that's not hidden in this, that in maths wise, mm. is. Um, Everything is kind of laid out on the 
aboard. So the miners, I think you said, yeah, the, the miners, sure, maybe. The, the number of points that you're going to get for those dwarves are on the left-hand side of the board. You're never counting the amount of cards you have and going, well, how does that tally to how many points I'm going to get? You know, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I like that about it. Well, I think the other thing that I really liked about it, and I'm going to touch a little bit more on the bidding system itself, is you mentioned that you always have five coins yes. when the bidding round starts, when yes. you start bidding. And that's always true for the rest of the game. You might yes. get new coins, so your five might become a nine, mm -hmm. for example, mm -hmm. which is obviously higher and better, but you're going to get rid of the five, yes. right? So you're always going to have five coins and there's free pubs to bid for, yes. right? And you're trying to win like the highest bid in the pubs that you want, where you see the dwarves that you want to have in yes. your set. Uh, but the thing about it is, so first of all, you see everyone's coins before the bidding starts. So you mm -hmm. can see, oh, okay, you know, Steven has like a 12, I can't outbid him. And Steven also wants miners and I want miners, right? Yeah. So if I go there with my nine, I'm probably going to waste that nine. Uh, so th there's, there's a lot of information that's already available on the table. The second bit that's really cool is that once the bidding finishes, right, mm -hmm. all the coins go back to you. Yeah. You don't you actually don't lose, lose the resource, mm. right? You just used it for that round to make your bid. And then you can use it again or even mm. get something better because you can upgrade coins. And that's where I'm going to touch on the last part of the bidding system that really excites me. Now, I mentioned there's three pubs and five coins. Correct. Right? One of the coins is a zero. Yes. Right? But if you play that zero to one of the three pubs, that means that the two coins that you haven't played to the pubs mm -hmm. will be added together mm -hmm. and become a better coin. Right? Yes. And that's really, really cool because, first of all, it incentivizes you to bid low on one of the spaces. So you constantly have to evaluate, okay, which pub is the least important to me? Because you always want to upgrade those two leftover coins because, yeah. you know, more bidding power, great, right? Also, the coins that you have are points at the end of the game that mm -hmm. add to the total score. Mm -hmm. Again, you want to do that. And finally, there's, there's this sort of really nice element of... Like, it's not just that I have to put the zero. It's that I probably, if I, if I, the leftover coins I have are a two and a three, mm -hmm. I'll upgrade the three to the five. Yes. And then get rid of the three. Yeah. that And that's nice. If I put together the seven and the nine that I've already <laughs> yes. made, right, uh -huh. which are my best coins, yeah. I'll make a 16 out of the nine. Uh -huh. Good maths. Good that's maths. really good. But that seven and nine isn't going to be used for bids that I've placed. Right. So I'm constantly evaluating how much do I actually want the things, mm -hmm. how much do I want to be first, mm -hmm. and whether it's worth maybe to just not spending everything I have yeah. and just saving up a little bit more, getting a bigger coin. And then you do that. Okay, you made that decision. And then the next round comes and you're like, well, I have this 16. Mm -hmm. I could use it to bid, <laughs> uh -huh. but... I could also upgrade it again. Right? The highest is 25. The highest mm -hmm. coin that you can upgrade to is 25. Yeah. And the final bit that I really like is how actually short this game is. There's only oh, like... Oh, so quick. Yeah. There's only... Uh, in a four-player game, there's only six bidding rounds. Mm. And you want to eke out so much, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. you have so little mm -hmm. time to do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I like that puzzle too about do I use this coin that's quite high value to bid mm -hmm. or do I use it to get a better coin? Mm. Um, that that was always a nice 
nice puzzle. And if I want to use it to get a better coin, then I have to put the zero somewhere. And where where do I want to put the zero? Where is the least valuable spot on this board? Where is the least valuable pub? I was impressed with Nidavellir because there's an element of like, you always get rewarded for something, mm. right? There's, there's never a moment in this game where I felt like, oh, I don't know, if I do this, this isn't very good. If I do this, this isn't very good. There's always something, even, even if you lose out, Mm. You know, let's say I really wanted a blacksmith. I didn't get a blacksmith. No. But I still got this explorer and it's really Worth great. Nine right? points. And it doesn't... It, but at the same time, when you have designs like that that constantly mm. reward you for everything, mm -hmm. right? You often fall into the trap of a game that gives you everything, but everything feels like nothing. Yeah. Right? Okay. Uh, whereas there's no like highs and low moments, yeah, right? Yeah, right. Exactly, right? Whereas here, there are high and low moments. Mm. Uh, and we played this over Tabletop Simulator, and I think we missed out some of the magic of Nidavellir, because part of bidding games mm. is the fun of being around a table, and you know, like, oh, I can't believe you bid that. You know, <laughs> I, I just squeaked it by, like, a single coin or whatever, right? And and that's really nice. So you, you have that nice element of bidding added to it, but also everything feels distinct, and everything feels also good. Like you're constantly achieving something. And that something might be dwarves. But, you know, theming aside, I'm excited. Yeah, I think it's a well thought out game. I think it has some good elements. I'm not sure it's a great game. I'm not Ooh. sure. <laughs> <laughs> I've only played it once. Mm -hmm. And it was on a Tabletop Simulator. So, I don't know. But... I'm not sure it's a game that you want to play again and again and again. It might be, but what what I quite like about it is that you all get 18 cards. You will all get 18 cards eventually. Maybe a little bit less or more. There's some cards that you have oh, to that's actually true. spend. That's true. But, but yeah. when you recruit, mm -hmm. sorry, you will recruit 18 times. Mm -hmm. And that makes it feel very fair. But it also makes it feel maybe a little bit that there wouldn't be much more if you played it lots of times. Right, because there's only so many strategies in the game, yeah, right? Yeah, there's only so many suits, there's only so many strategies. And, and there is that element of luck because, mm -hmm. you know, even if you bid high, maybe someone else has bid high too. Right. Um, and maybe you won't get what you want. Like... There is strategy to it, but there is an element of luck. Some, sometimes you are just driven into a strategy and you might not be necessarily going for it. Mm. And it might be something you already explored and played in this game. Yeah. And I, I get that. I also have to admit that out of the people that played this with us, I was the person most excited about the game. Mm. With everyone, to begin with or afterwards? Afterwards, mm -hmm. yeah. And everyone else said, oh, I enjoyed this, but this wasn't my like favorite experience ever. And I think I get that because I think it's it's a game with diminishing returns. And I'm not surprised that they've already announced an expansion, mm -hmm. uh, which is called Thingavellir. Yeah, I I look forward to, to an expansion. That might add some extra elements. Would you be excited to play again then? Yes. Okay, well, then that's Nidavellir. Well... I think we've come to the game that you are most looking forward to. I am. I feel very conflicted now. Beyond the Sun has been on everyone's radar as an excellent game. And I wanted to try it because uh, it's published by Rio Grande Games. Mm -hmm. Rio Grande Games is an American publisher mm -hmm. that publishes games that come out in America. Mm -hmm. And then after a while, <laughs> after a long while, uh -huh. they eventually trickle their way into Europe. It's like films. Yeah. yeah. In, uh, in the old, olden days. Right. In the okay. olden times. Yeah. 
Uh, oh yeah, I remember living in Lithuania <laughs> and being like, well, this came out in Hollywood, which uh-huh. means in two months, months. time. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah, sure. Oh boy, I can't wait. <laughs> It's exactly like that. I just got this weird impression that we live in a lot more of a global world these days, but in some ways, I guess we aren't. Well, and- yes, because we have this in our hands right now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we do have Beyond the Sun in our hands. By Dennis K. Chan. By Dennis... First game. First game. Mm. First game. And I played it a bunch of times mm-hmm. now. And I am impressed. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure how much, right? I, I, I get some very conflicting feelings. So uh, Beyond the Sun is a, in some ways, a tried and true Euro game. Sure. A, a tried and true point salad Euro game. Mm-hmm. And now that I've said the most boring aspect <laughs> You know, with tech like, trees. With, with tech trees, right? <laughs> well, okay, like that's the exciting part. Is that more part. exciting? Yeah, oh, okay. uh, no, okay. come on, tech trees. All okay. right. Tech trees that you build <laughs> as the game plays, yeah. right? Uh-huh. So normally you have uh, tech trees in a game where it says if you invent farming, then you can go on to agriculture. And then from agriculture, you can go on yeah, to... Yeah, they're set normally. Right, yeah. Here, there's you have the first four that are set, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so the first four levels in a four-level tech tree, right? But even their order isn't yes. set, right? And and the the paths for the different trees are different, right? Yeah, and and so then uh, as the game progresses, uh, people will sometimes do a research action mm-hmm. to invent a new technology, mm-hmm. and they'll draw from the deck, and then there's like different types of technologies. Mm-hmm. You can do a like a science or AI or something military, mm-hmm. right? Like and. And then you'll draw two cards, you'll pick one, then other people can invest into that uh-huh. technology so they can have <laughs> that if they want to. So it's this constantly evolving living tech tree, which makes sense because trees, trees are, living. are living, they're alive. Why oh haven't tech trees me. been alive, right? For uh-huh. the first time, thank you, Dennis K. Chan, you brought a change to the world. You also have awe and people. Yeah, uh, and, you, uh, and rocket ships. And, and uh, okay, so yeah, let's let's talk <laughs> let's talk about the game in in broader terms. It's not so, all about textures. Yeah. So Beyond the Sun is a game about obviously space exploration, humanity. You have this you play a corporation. You want to explore space. You send rockets into space, but you need to manage carefully your resources because your resources have three states: supply, people, rocket ships. Supply mm-hmm. turns into people. Mm-hmm. People turn into rocket ships, and yeah, then rocket sense. ships turn into Supply. supply and sometimes people turn into supply which is a bit soil and green yeah, yeah. a little uh-huh. bit right yeah so you're you're managing this sort of uh resource uh game where mm. uh various things will automate your resources give you more resources and then you can use the re- those resources to advance on the tech tree but mm-hmm. wait it's not just the tech tree there's also space exploration because you can get rocket ships and mm-hmm. there's an area majority little sub game where mm-hmm. you can discover new planets. Yeah, you things, discover yeah. new planets. You can colonize those planets. Whoever gets to colonize the planet gets points. Mm-hmm. Whoever sits on the planet gets resources. Mm. Um, so it's a fun balancing act, and there's a lot to do in this game. And it feels a little bit point salady at times. But I think where it wins me over is that all of that feels a lot more organic than in a regular point salad game. Sure. Uh, okay. And and that is, once again, we come back to that tech tree that is very much determined by the players. And mm-hmm. if every game that I played of it, it looked different. Mm-hmm. There were cool new technologies. And thematically, I love the naming of these technologies because they felt a little bit sidereal confluence. <laughs> you know, okay. like, yeah. 
AI governors and stuff like uh -huh. that. Yeah. And the naming of these technologies always related to sort of how the mechanisms work yes, in the game. I thought that was quite clever. Yeah. So if if you convert if the technology let you convert your people into supply, it will be like something like green, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right? Something like but, that. But but not quite as on the nose. It's always very dry, very mechanical, yeah. right? Like it's oh, it's just the thing and then you wait a minute that 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 doesn't sound right <laughs> not quite as breaking copyright is what i was gonna say yeah mm. i'm not sure i agree with you that it's point salady i never felt like it was because there it felt like there were only really two main ways to gain points in this game either go hard on tech mm -hmm. and research as much tech as possible and get points that way or go into space and colonize planets and get points that way or maybe do a bit of both. But it, I never felt like, oh, I've got so many decisions. Like, how will I get my points? Right. Um, well, I, okay. So I, I think I get that sense from scoring because when you look at the score sheet, there's about a thousand different things Which, you score sure. points for. And you're rewarded for like so many different... I understand. Like, you did this points. Right. You did that points, right? Yeah, I understand. But I, I don't think that's the main core of the game because those things that you're talking about you get one point for this one point for this one point right. for this and it kind of almost doesn't matter but maybe then that's where my critique comes in sure. that you do get rewarded for like a little bit too much mm -hmm. and i would want what i okay so i really like beyond the sun mm -hmm. but if if i was to say beyond the sun is excellent mm -hmm. right i would want it to be a little bit tighter in terms of what the game rewards you for. I, I want the goalposts to be a little bit clearer, you know, and the strategies that may be a little bit more diverse, mm. right? And you're right, there are sort of two main paths. There are That's technologies. That's not criticism, by the no. way, yeah. Yeah, there are technologies and there is exploration, right? And often these meld together in interesting ways. Mm. So for example, if I colonize, if I colonize this planet and then I, you know, thematically set up like a scientist base or whatever, and then that planet will give me points for having a lot of technologies, yes. you know, Sure, technologies may be my main bread and butter, mm -hmm. but I also want a little bit of that scientist spread on my <laughs> bread and butter. Nice, nice analogy. <laughs> I know. Right? Yeah, I like also that there's only really two types of resources. Oh, no, th sorry, three, I guess, like ore yeah. um, and people. Yeah. And then like rocket ships or supply, right? Yeah. Um, I, I like that, that there's not these hundreds of resources that you're juggling about trying to work out how to spend them in certain ways. You just know what you need and, and you go for it. One of the things that I want to explore more in Beyond the Sun, mm. right, is that the majority of the time when we played it, we played it as the basic game, yes. right? Uh, so each time you play, you will pick a corporation that you're mm -hmm. playing and that corporation will have a minor starting bonus, yeah. right? That, that says, well, you know, you're a little bit better at this, but it almost doesn't matter, right? Mm. Uh, there is the advanced mode. Mm. Each corporation majorly deviates from each other in terms of uh, the layout of your player board oh, yeah. and what you get points for and not what you get points for, but like what you're able to achieve through the yeah. course of the game. Some things become easier and some things become harder. But in a game this fluid that constantly asks you to reevaluate what you're doing, like, are you sure you want to invent this technology? Maybe you want to colonize that planet instead, right? Uh -huh. It feels like almost a crutch that's not necessary and it's going to make for a less consistent experience, right? 
And, Maybe. Uh, so uh, our colleague and friend John Gets Games pointed this out, and I very much agree with him, that, mm. um, you know, you want to remain open you because you can't control what the tech tree is. Mm -hmm. The players together decide mm -hmm. what it's going mm -hmm. to be. And then it's your decision whether to invest into that or not. But when you're heavily focused into a particular strategy, yeah. the other players will not be interested in enabling that strategy. So when they choose technologies, if you diverge more, they will choose something that doesn't benefit you and benefits them. So you're immediately disincentivized from investing into technologies that other players researched. What I'm saying is that with the advanced mode, the game becomes less fluid. Yes. But it doesn't take away the incentivization entirely, does it? Because you still get points for investing into a certain technology. Yeah, but then the game becomes a little bit more rote because it becomes more about the points rather than actually about what the thing does. Sure, but aren't you then like zagging when other people are zigging? And maybe that's a good way of, of not fighting over other things and winning the game. I feel like it could be, mm. but it also could not be. Right, I, <laughs> it might be a horrible strategy. <laughs> yeah, right. Because again, this is we're a living tree. We're talking yeah. about, right? Uh, I think it entirely depends on what that game is. Yeah, and possibly. I think I think in theory, I like the advanced mode because if you're not so concerned about playing the perfect game and just exploring the game space, mm. I think that could be a lot more fun because. You might be in a horrible position. You might never have the chance to win. But hey, you're toying around with like some pretty funky tools, right? And I think that's fun. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. But I feel like this game is does have a tightness that means that maybe you can't toy around too much. Right. So then that doesn't sure, really yeah. favor the no, advanced that's mode. That's true. Yeah. Do you know what I don't like? Go on. What annoys me so much Go on. is that um, there is a player board that you cannot play with two players. You are banned from yes. playing it with two players. And I have no idea why. And and because we haven't had the opportunity to play it with three people, mm -hmm. I don't know why it makes a difference. I've looked at it and tried to work out why, but I can't. And, and I guess it would become evident when you play it. Mm -hmm. But I don't know what it is. It's a mystery. We'll never know. If yeah. you know, please do write it. <laughs> yeah, if you've played it with three players. But I no, I really enjoyed this game. Yeah, I think uh, we sort of like slightly focused a little bit more on the negatives. Uh, I, I do want to emphasize how much I had fun just tinkering around with this thing and reacting to, you know, what you've done in mm -hmm. the game and, and, and trying to incorporate my strategy and weave it into that and you know, there's like a sense of discovery that's mm -hmm. present in Beyond mm -hmm. the Sun. And every time like a new technology gets invented, you're like, what's it going to be? What's yeah. it going to be? What's it going to be? And you're excited if you're doing it because you, you're you right. getting something, right. right? But you're excited when another player is doing it because like, ooh, this could be anything. And I don't really have a choice over it, but it could be great, right? You could, in theory, mm -hmm. um, you could like hate pick though. Oh, yeah, you absolutely. could take yeah. the card and place the card that was not beneficial to you, but actively harmed what your opponent was trying to do. Mm, that's, but that's even more juice in the game, right? Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. This, 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 is, this is a mean game, but it's I also a very so. dynamic game. And it also feels strangely fair at the same time, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah a, a lot of love for Beyond the Sun. And I think our criticisms just come from that we like it a lot and we want it to, you know, be that like little inch more perfect 
good news Elaine yeah. there's an expansion coming out yay uh, and <laughs> and I I like it a rare thing these days when expansions come out after the game's been released mm -hmm. so you know uh, people have funny, played it yeah funny. yeah and actually know what the issues are and maybe maybe the game will touch and address those maybe they won't who knows that's it, Efka. We've talked about three games. If you've been listening for the first time and this wasn't your favourite podcast and you felt bound to listen to the entire thing because you couldn't leave, you'll be happy to know that it's nearly time when you can leave. Phew. But first, I have to tell you about where you can find us so you can listen to more of us and then can't leave again sure. uh if you enjoy the podcast and want to say i enjoyed the podcast or you want to say something about one of the games that we discussed today whether you're excited about it or something that you've already experienced in that game you can always leave a comment on nopunincluded.com slash podcast which is this podcast's home uh otherwise you can find our reviews on youtube if you type in no pun included you will find some amazing board game videos we've just done our game of the year mm -hmm. uh and if you want to know what it is you can go find out uh and if you really really like us consider supporting us on patreon thank you so much for listening i think it's time to say goodbye elaine goodbye elaine goodbye elaine <laughs>